Welcome back to the Mallrats Podcast. Hello, it's been a while. From afar. From afar? Like a galaxy far, far away? No. No. Well, first off, before Nolan shares why we're doing this from afar, we apologize for the sound quality of this. We do not have microphones. We are speaking into the laptop um, microphone. So we uh, are ill-prepared equipment-wise, but we just have to get this one out there because we have got to get to watch the final. It's driving us nuts. Nut nuts. Nuts, and we want to talk about that, but we have so much, and I've rewatched this episode two more times. There's so many things to talk about from this episode that I really, really liked. So, Nolan, now that the apologies are over, why is this from afar? Where are we? We're in a different continent. Uh, yeah. Do tell. We're in Europe right now. What are we doing in Europe? We are traveling the countries countries specifically the big stuff big stuff but the whole premise of this trip was to hit certain types of places associated with a certain movie star wars yeah question mark or are you telling me question mark star wars so um a few of the star wars locations we wanted to hit um you know fell apart because of various reasons um, you know, uh, one of which uh, Nolan wasn't going to be a part of, but uh, I was going to go to Tunisia and see the Lars Homestead from an, A New Hope and some of the other desert, uh, you know, shots. But uh, uh, we did go to a, a very unique Star Wars location um, just uh, last week. While we, this is why we've been. Our excuse for this time isn't because we got behind in recording, it's because we just have been busy. So with this one, Nolan, tell us about this Star Wars location that we went on. We went to Skellig Michael. Skellig Michael, where is it? What is it? And why should they care? Well, it's in Ireland. It's it's in Ireland. It's an island in Ireland. I don't know what part of Ireland. Uh, west. Sorry, west. The, the western end. part mm-hmm. of Ireland. And it's where they filmed the end of... Force Awakens and part of The Last Jedi because I think they went off to a soundstage for a lot of the a lot of the stuff. So the external shots, you know, where Luca is approached by Rey and then they train, they climb up steps and all of that. That was shot on this island uh, called Skellig Michael. And uh, I set up a tour of this about three or four months ago. Well, a week before we got there, maybe even less than a week. Uh, I got an email that there was a slight rock slide on this particular mountain, and so it's closed to the public until the government officials can come out and assess the safety of, you know, tourists walking all over this island, which is understandable. But uh, the way the tone of the email was that, um, you know, it was from the tour companies, and they said that uh, pretty much the government's dragging their feet. And it doesn't look like we can walk on the island, which we are going to spend multiple hours walking the same steps Ray and Luke did. Look where Ray, you know, used her lightsaber and practicing against that rock. Um, you know, the little huts because there used to be a monastery. It was going to be amazing. Well, that didn't happen. So, no one, why don't you talk about what we actually did do and accomplish, and and anything we did learn, maybe Star Wars related, uh, from our tour guide. Uh, well, we got on a boat for around 45 minutes, not round trip, it was like an hour and a half. We went out there and we just circled it and we looked at all the parts of the island, like the steps where they docked, 
like where all the boats go. They docked as in the crew when they showed up. Or any boat docks. Any boat docks. Mm -hmm. And where the current workers, government officials that live there, that stay on the island. Um, yeah. Yeah, they talked about, uh, you know, there were a few lighthouses that had been built in the last 100, 200 years. We don't see those in Star um, Wars. No, you don't see those in Star Wars. That's true. But, uh, you know, there is a life and there are, it's like a park rangers. I think the, the country of Ireland uh, runs it. Um, so there's always a human presence on this very remote island. Um, but it used to be a monastery. And so some of the stories about the monks who lived in this very isolated, unforgiving location, you know, they left about a thousand years ago, 900 years ago. Um, but uh, when they were there, they were about seven miles off coast. They would have to canoe out there. Um, they'd have to take anything they want. Uh, people would come and trade with them so they could get more meat beyond just, you know, the fish and the birds that are there. Um, in the movie, the porgs are, you know, uh, very similar to the birds that are located all over this particular island. Um, but uh, the monks at one point, you know, fought off a Viking invasion and the Vikings felt it was, uh, you know, they, they, they struggled with fighting them and were in essence repelled, even though they did take a captive and starved them to death. So we learned about that. Um, but it was just a very beautiful, huge, um, if you have no idea what we're talking about, look, you know, fast forward to the end of Force Awakens and it's going to just take your breath away. It's beautiful. Or just do a search online of Skellig. Michael, um, but it was it was wonderful, and I was so disappointed we couldn't get out and walk around. But uh, that was our first Star Wars, uh, you know, stop on this journey. Now, next episode in a few days, you know, uh, we will be going to Lake Como, Italy, and what was shot in Lake Como, Italy? Attack of the Clones. At what portions of Attack of the Clones? The part where he's playing sexy babysitter with Padme. He being. Anakin. Anakin. And, yeah, it's it's her lake cottage on Naboo, supposedly. Uh, lake Como, the only way I know about it is it showed up in, um, you know, the J Daniel Craig's, uh, you know, uh, Casino Royale. You know, he's getting recuperated um, by the lake. Uh, or uh, George Clooney hangs out there, but that's the only reason I've heard of it. Until, you know, it now past those movies, it, it's where they shot this. So we're going to go tour that location, uh, and we'll talk more about that when we talk about the finale, which we're really excited for based on this particular part. So uh, part five we're going to talk about. So uh, you'll want to stay tuned and come back to hear um, you know, what we think about that. And maybe we'll get some pictures and audio from, uh, from our time there. So uh, any last thing you want to talk about, Skellig, at all? No. 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 Okay, that's fine. All right, so... Here we go, part five. And sorry for the echo. You know, again, we're in an apartment in, uh, we're actually recording from Milan, Italy. Italy. And so it sounds a little, uh, you know, I've already apologized for sound, but uh, we'll do the best we can uh, with this. So just change it on your end or just bear with us, uh, volume intensity, etc. So um, if you, Nolan, want to talk about uh, part five, as in maybe the first shots that stand out to you or your your feelings, what, what, what stands out the most for this episode? Um, I think starting with a flashback to probably before Revenge of the Sith and going back yeah. to the Jedi Temple after, you know, Re Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was cool. It was nice to see Hayden actually sing. This is the first time we're seeing, we were talking about that in, in our other podcast, 
um, because we were unsure if that's him even moving around in, uh, in the suit sometimes. If it's just standing looking out the window, sure, it can be him, but we don't hear him because it's going to be James Earl Jones. So the flashbacks, and my first gut reaction to that flashback scene was, one, is that's how we predicted he would show up, but also it, it was really cool to see them. And you're right, it is the Attack of the Clones hairstyle with the ponytail. Yes. It's not the Revenge of the Sith or the Clone Wars animated where it's more flowing down and he was wearing more blackish tunic type outfit. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely is the Attack of the Clone era. But I thought Hayden looked pretty good. There were a few times I thought early on, are they doing some face work on yeah. him? He looked like obviously old. You know, if he's like a they were trying old. to make him young. They tried, and it was a little off-putting, mainly because I know, okay, he's 20 years older. But as I rewatched the episodes, it didn't bother me as much, and I actually believed it was more authentic, if that makes sense. Maybe just seeing it over and over again. Mm. I don't know. Um, did it bother you at all? Yes. Could a you lot. could you get over that? Not really. No. What about uh, Ben? You know. Ewan McGregor, how did he look to you? Looks okay. I mean, he hasn't really aged since prequels. Well, disagree. He has. No, he hasn't aged. Um, you know, some of his stuff it wasn't. You know, it was kind of cosmetically put on there. Uh, maybe it didn't look as authentic as it did in Attack of the Clones: Revenge of the Sith. Um, but uh, the aesthetics of it aside, it was really neat to see that. Um, you know, uh, um, Vader is, I don't know, troubled by the emergence of Ben, um, Ben, Obi-Wan, <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, he's just constantly thinking about him throughout this, maybe in preparation or study for their upcoming fight. What lessons can he learn from the past? Mm -hmm. You know, um, but it was really neat. And each time there was one little thing that, you know, Ben said to him over, you know, something new each time, um, you know, still trying to school him along the way um so the flashbacks were neat anything else jump out to you that was um maybe, well you liked or, or didn't like um the scene close to the end with vader was pretty cool pretty cool like the last 10 minutes the last uh whatever 10-ish minutes or so when he finally lands on um jabeem um yeah yeah what do you talk a little bit about that what why did you why did it resonate so much with you not really resonate it was just cool Oh, um, okay. I, I, it was like. What did you like about it? It was more like ruthless. Ruthless. That's good because that's you hear about Vader being ruthless, and the most ruthless you see chokes people out when he when they fail. Yeah. So one word, ruthless. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go a little bit more than ruthless. Uh, that was my fa favorite Darth Vader scene. In any of the stuff, obviously. Um, I'd always wanted to, to see him. You see it in comics frame by frame or in books, but you've always heard how amazing Anakin was. And then, so he's going to be an awesome Sith, but he's more, um, man or, or you know, machine now than man. So you wondered how that's going to be because, uh, Palpatine was disappointed in the fact because losing so many body parts since the forces, you know, from the living being, it was, uh, Vader was never going to be as strong as he could have been as his apprentice. But, you know, that's why Rogue One was so awesome to me, that last scene where you see him just going down one hallway and using the force, you know, throwing people up, holding them against the ceiling, walking under them and hitting them with the saber, using the force for evil. 
you know, was amazing. And here I've seen it now three times. And each time I just, by the end, I'm like, this is awesome. You know, she comes sneaking up on him and she swings and the blade stops and he didn't even flinch. You know what I mean? His spider sense was tingling, you know, all of that. Um, but the way that he, and if you go back and look, you know, his fighting, he slows down her rotary blade without mm -hmm. really moving and then grabs it and breaks it. And he's holding two sabers. He turns ones off and throws it at her. Come on, kid. You know, just taunting, giving her her shot. And when he says to her, did you think that I didn't recognize you, youngling? And it went back. And this was your one of your great – yes, for me it's the Vader scene. But I loved the Reva and Ben Kenobi dialogue and their scenes. We can talk about that a little bit. Um, but Vader goes, you know, he was wise to use you against me because she wasn't going to use Vader. She was going to do it all on her own. Um, but, uh, you know, fighting her, you know, pulling the lightsaber away from her, using the force to just, you know, when he walks into that ship blasting off, without missing a stride, he just grabs it and stops it. Now, in the video game and the graphic novels, uh, or the books, Force Unleashed, that one dark side character um, is able to pull a death, pull a death star, like a star destroyer down and crash and wreck using this, this force ability. But I had never seen it before. And to see it tr thrusting, Invader's just holding it back. So powerful. Kenobi can barely push anybody away right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and to pull that down and the moment it hits, he rips the sides of it off. You know, I'm pretty sure I swore when I saw it the first time. It's holy. You know, this is amazing. And uh, I, I was just love. I love the entirety of the end, and I can't wait to see what happens with the finale. Which, if you've already seen it, obviously you know, and we don't. But um, I, I dug it immensely, immensely. I have a question. Yes. So Yoda says size matters, not right. Sure. Is that according to the wielder or the target that they're using the force on? Uh, well, he says size matters not. Judge me by my size, do you? That's when, um, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, Luke couldn't live the X-Wing and Empire out of the swamp. I can't. It's too big. Judge, you know, do you judge me by my size? You know, and he lifts it. So I think it's the person that, uh, you know, the, the size matters and it's the heart, it's the, the ability. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. Um, so, anyways, Vader's stuff was awesome. I could watch that over and over again. Using the Force, moving. Uh, he's very right-handed dominant, if you notice. He's never, like, two-handed. or He just keeps power swinging, you know, one-handed. But he was moving around. She she was doing one. I thought this was her best episode. You still saw her ruthlessness. You don't know what I've done, but yet you see her heart when when Ben figures out that you were a young one. And that answers questions we've been asking for four episodes now, mm -hmm. right? Why does she? Why is she so angry at him? She says to him, "Why didn't you help us? Why didn't you save us?" Ah, oh, it just killed me. Think about that well, little kid. Did he like sense a disturbance in the force and just not do anything about it? Kenobi? Mm -hmm. Well, he was off doing his own thing. Remember all the Jedi who were spread out amongst, you know, Yoda's on Kashyyyk, you know, um, Ayla Secura's on Felucia, you know, they're all just, they're all just spread out doing their, doing their stuff. Udapau, right? Well, he was off fighting Grievous. 
right? So he was kind of busy and preoccupied. <laughs> so, but she was a youngling. It's just, why weren't you here? Why didn't you protect me? You know, she was a little kid. Um, and when she said that she played dead, because when Vader stabs her here, you see it interspliced with him, Anakin stabbing at her. So I imagine he injured her and she played dead the first time. So this wasn't the first time she was hurt, which is very timely with, again, real world. We talked about post-traumatic stress among, you know, um, you know, in that first episode with you saw the, the Clone Wars guy or the second episode, um, you know, asking for money and help. But uh, the school shooting down in Uvalde, Texas, you know, one of the girls that came out in a week or two after, you know, she had played dead, covered in blood in order to hide. You know, and so to hear about this youngling who, in essence, was a school massacre, you know, led by Anakin, um, just, you know, it's, that's what it was. Just like the Death Star explosion, those were terrorist attacks taking down the, you know, the government. Um, you know, it was just really powerful to me uh, at that particular point. Um, so Vader was amazing. Um, what do you think about the Reva revelations with Obi-Wan? Talk about that. I found it kind of weird that they started to, like, work together. I think <clears throat> I just think that was like a little weird in the story that it was like, oh, we both hate Vader. Let's gang on him. But I think it was cool that she was like this whole time, like sucking up just so she could kill him later. We got and I've always said to friends and family, uh, it, you have to have a good villain to make something great. And I was kind of on the fence with her, even though I really we just had a lot of questions. We did not know what her motivation was. We figured out a little bit last episode that, okay, she hates Kenobi enough because that's what's going to bring her to, to become Grand Inquisitor. That's what's going to get her close to Vader. But here we find out why she was so upset about, in addition to that, but also, um, you know, with Ben Kenobi wanting, um, uh, uh, you know, where were you? Why didn't you help us? Um, but, you know, once you have a motivation for her, it's so appealing. And she rejects his help. You know, when they're talking through the door, she doesn't need it. You don't know what I've done. And he figures it out. How did you know? Why did you call Mannequin? He wouldn't have told you this. And it's the stuff we've talked about. Like, how did she find out? Right? Mm -hmm. And so she rejected him until he surrendered, you know, that, and, he, and to her. And she goes, you're going to die soon. He's coming for you. Like, I'm bringing him to me. He goes, no, you're not bringing him to me. And this was my... Ugh. I'm bringing him to you, and you just see the light bulb go off, and that's where she starts to. He goes, "Let's. This is it. He's going to be so focused on me. What if, you know, what if, you think we'll be able to sneak up? Yeah, because he's going to be so focused on me. I think you and McGregor, and you can mark this down at 19 minutes into our podcast or whatever. He should get an Emmy nomination. Now, while he doesn't have crazy monologues or great, you know, you know." lines of exposition to spout, you know, and steal scenes, his, the emoting that he has with just his eyes, especially this scene, and I've talked about it throughout the episode, but this scene with her, he's on his knees, okay, just like, I'm bringing him to you. I've never seen him this cold and calculated before. Did you have any feelings at all about Kenobi in this particular stuff? I mean, it's kind of a different character that he played from the prequels. It's not like all weird and reckless or trying to be funny. It's mm -hmm. like 
a survivor of a war or something. A survivor of a war, and he knows that they he has a job to do in, in order to save all those people. Yeah. You know, because he's got to kill time, and Vader's just coming for him. He can't have other other people die just because because of him. Um, and I just I just remember watching this episode, and I, that's what I love about Star Wars is when there are really memorable moments. I can remember where I was. And just the revelations as the waves of understanding wash over me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, you know what I mean? Moments that just resonate. Uh, and it was the Reva scenes with, with Ben and then Vader in her fight. And Rogue One has easily been my favorite Vader thing ever. But this one, I think, just shows how you can fight with the dark side. And it's almost like, how can anybody beat him? You know, now she didn't take a swipe down at the Grand Inquisitor. You know, why didn't why not just put the nozzle up, you know, just you don't even have to swing hard, just walk up and push the button. Yeah. And and it and it gets them. I don't I don't understand. Like she loses her weapon or whatever, like he throws it away or something. Mm -hmm. You can't just use the force and grab it. And uh he pulls it back, he gives it to her, you know, he just does all of these things. She comes at him and he uses the force to stop. It was just it was beautiful choreography. Um, and I just, I think that she did a great job because she's down for the count. Grand Inquisitor, the first one comes back and he's, what does he say? Something like, you know, uh, revenge does wonders for the healing, for the will to, for the will to live. So, you know, she's going to live because she finds that communicator and he's going to live for rebels. And he, well, that's, yes, because we were wondering, you can't kill him, right? So he's yeah. coming back so he can be a part of the Rebels canon. Um, but uh, the communicator, talk about the communicator. That was so dumb. Yeah, why, why? Well, Bail Organa was, like, upset that Kenobi wasn't talking to him about, like, updates. Well, upset, happened. he was worried, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and so he's all, if I don't hear from you in a little bit, I'm going to go see the other kid on Tatooine, the boy, I'll be there. Like, they're supposed to be secret and there's not supposed to be, it's not supposed to know that there's two of them. Across open communication, right? Yeah. They could intercept them. So he said Tatooine boy. He also said Owen. Yeah. And then when, uh, uh, Haja, Camille Nanjiani showed up. We thought that that was going to be a one and done, right? I, you did well. I well, that I I hope he wouldn't uh, be that, but it was great to see him show up, and he still drew humor right from the beginning. Goes, uh, you know, when you left, I fought that uh, female inquisitor, and now I'm wanted. Now I know what it is to be a real Jedi. Plus, there's a lot of great opportunities around here. Yeah. Because, so he was great. Almost every line out of his mouth, I'm always chuckling. Um, but, uh, you know, little Leia is resourceful. She saves the day and helps. She doesn't have a lot of scenes in this song. No. And that's fine, though. Yeah, you know, I'm okay just with one it. little action of volunteering to go, you know, into the vents. Yeah. That was helpful. Um, she finds Lola all red-eyed until she takes off the restraining bolt. Um, uh, Tala. Talk about Tala. Did you like, uh, I thought she kind of had a nice redemption there. Redemption from what? Well, her story, her whole backstory as to why she's helping them now. Yeah. Well, she died in this episode. Very much so. Did she need to die? No. 
Well, she took a blaster to the stomach. Yeah, we've well, seen okay. two people well, with lightsabers. After she gets shot, yeah. she has to die. Okay. But before that, she didn't need to die in this episode. She mm-hmm. didn't need to die ever. She wasn't that big of a character. She wasn't that big, but um, do you did you have any feelings about her backstory a little bit? Not really. No. I, I It brought a little bit of, again, you find motivation, like, okay, why are you a rebel? Why are you a traitor to your empire? And, you know, when they talk about lining up 14 people and executing them and six of them were kids, you know, I think it was six or eight, whatever. And she was gutted by that. And so now it's she keeps those little tally marks inside of her holster for every person she saves. Mm-hmm. And so her sacrifice here is allowing them the opportunity to get loaded up in that ship and take off because that's that's it. Right. They're, they're gone. Yeah. Um, you had the her sweet moment with the droid who sacrificed himself. Um, the loader droid. The loader droid. You know that they, they were close. I guess. You know we didn't get much time with him, but uh, he kind of had a K two S O from Obi Wan yeah. moment. Um, but you know his dying breath, if you want to call it that, was you know just crouching and slumping over and just protecting her. Um, so she pulls out a a, um, a thermal detonator, you know, and I think you and I had both the same reaction. Why don't you throw it? Throw it. Throw it down the hallway at them. Not keep it at your end and I don't know. It's okay. Because it's okay because Vader's gonna come and have an awesome, awesome scene. So yeah. um but I, I really, really, really enjoyed and dug the uh the the end of it. Um then the you know, oh my gosh, and then the last shot of her Reva going over to that communicator and it's damaged oh, and, and she looks at it, hears it, and then you see Ben out there in space hearing from Roken that the, the hyperdrive is uh, damaged. We can't go anywhere. Uh-oh. And he's like, I feel something's happened. And then he's really concerned and, oh, this is, I can't wait for this last episode. So, um, Any last uh, little bits here? Chris or Dad? Chris O'Dowd, no Chris O'Dowd in this one. I'm, in a way, I hope he doesn't show up. It'll take too much, uh, too much time, I think. Um, little notes here. Reva yelled into the breach to her crew. Very Shakespearean. Henry V says once more into the breach, dear friends, once more, you know, heading off into battle. Um, so when she said into the breach, I'm like, aw. Um, so that's pretty cool. I don't think it was a Shakespeare reference. That's what it's called when you break into something. That's fine. But when Shakespeare writes this in, 1590s, you know, he can probably pretty much single-handedly be credited with all of those things. So, oh, one last thing I wanted to mention before we get going is the uh, one of the co-writers when it popped up was Andrew Stanton. Um, and that, oh. and, well, Andrew Stanton is the um, pretty much single-handedly uh, is responsible for Pixar being uh, what it is today. He was the powerhouse. He's the one who wrote and directed the Toy Story movies, Wally. Um, you know, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, uh, Monsters Inc. The good ones. You know, the, well, Bugs Life. He was all of those early ones and the biggest hits um, that they they've had. So, um, you know, with the heart of Wally um, to bring him in, and then you see the heart of this droid, you know, sacrificing himself. Um, I did see on IMDb that he does have a a story credit or a, a teleplay credit. Um, for the last episode as well, so a co-writing probably, but still, a um, great job bringing in a powerhouse. Um, and this, uh, I uh, was probably my favorite uh, Obi Wan episode 
um, just because of the Reva revelations that we talked about. But that Vader scene was just ultimately so epic. So I'm very excited to uh, to see where it goes. So, um, yeah, any last words for this particular one? Any last words? No. No, nothing at all. Nothing. At all. Um, so again, we are recording from Milan. So again, sorry about the sound quality. We'll have mics. Uh, well, probably not next time, but uh, we will when we uh, you know get back uh, to the states. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed hearing about Skellig Michael. If you have any questions that you want to send us about our time and experiences out here um, going to Star Wars places, or about anything on Kenobi or any other Star Wars shows upcoming or past, how can they reach us? Mallratspod at gmail.com or anywhere on our social media. I think we're on Twitter and Instagram. That sounds right. You have to ask Kat about that. Our social media manager, Kat, uh, as well as YouTube. So um, if we, uh, you know, uh, we have some pictures, so we might be able to put, uh, you know, on our YouTube channel, um, you know, put some, uh, you know, video and or pictures up over us talking about Skellig Michael in this episode, which you would have already seen by now, or listened to, and then go check it out on YouTube, as well as on, um, you know, when we talk about Lake Como, um, you know, on the next episode. So be sure to come back to hear about our time in Star Wars Italy, as well as the culminating final episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, uh, okay, well, thanks for listening, and uh, stay, uh, stay safe all, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm Bob. I'm Nolan. Take care.